0: We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. All right. Yes. Woo. (laughs) We love a good woo around here. Uh, Good to see you all this morning. Uh, So glad that you're here. If this is your first time here, you came on a wonderful day uh, where we're celebrating this community's very first birthday. And it has just flown by for us. And in a lot of ways, this has been uh, so exciting and just the best part of of my life these days. And we're just so stoked about what's going on at Branches. And if it's your first time here, we're just so glad that you're here uh, to to be a part of it. And and just if you're a guest, we hope that you've been warmly welcomed. Uh, As we get started today, if you want to check in and let us know that you're here today, uh, scan that QR code and check in let us know you're here. And you can keep up with what's going on in the life of this community, and especially now as we go through our first year and then look forward to the coming year. There's a lot going on. We want to connect with you and, and know that you're here with us on Sunday as we celebrate. So, so thank you for being here today. Um, I don't know... Where you were this time last year, uh, and I was thinking about that a lot this week, where I was this time last year. We launched on the 18th, so our proper birthday is tomorrow, but on this Sunday we're celebrating. I was trying to like get in my headspace of like, where was I? And of course I was anxious and afraid, (laughs) and had a lot of expectation and excitement, and was mulling over my sermon a little bit, and just thinking about all the things that had to happen to lead up to this moment, and was anxious uh, and, and, and excited at the same time. So here we are a year later, celebrating branch 's birthday, and i 've been thinking a lot about just kind of the, the rhythms that we 've gotten ourselves into those patterns. and as you watch the video, uh, you probably saw it as some things like uh, baptism and coming to the table every week and lifting our hands in worship and listening to preaching and studying scripture together, and our commitment to prayer and community and tacos, all that, those are the top three things you know prayer community tacos, and uh, just all the ways that we 've kind of gotten into these grooves of our life together at Branches, and we talk a lot about habits and habit formation and rhythms here, and one of the rhythms that, you know, we're adopting in this community, and this is the kind of second time we're experiencing it, is every year around this time, when we look back on the past year, we'll revisit our core values at Branches, belonging, daring, and abiding. That we're going to look back and say, okay, this is who we are. This is why we're here. And in case we've forgotten, this is why we exist. And in case we've forgotten, this is the manner by which we're going to live together and and share with our city the love of Jesus. That's how we're going to do our life together. And so we're going to go or that rhythm every year, this time in September, every single year. And so, of course, this is my custom, thinking about rhythms a lot. And one of the rhythms that I have, one of these habits and these things that I've kind of formed in my own life is the one or two times a year that my wife, Landon, and I visit a new city, uh, I love to look up which books and movies were filmed or set in that city, And so, you know, it helps me kind of get a vibe for that place, what's going on, uh, to maybe get a feel of it, especially I've never been there before. And we went to Massachusetts this past summer. And I went to Boston for the first time, never been to Boston. And we stayed at the Revolution Hotel. So if you're ever, if you're ever in Boston, recommend it. Very cool, very hip. Uh, Revolutionary War themed, has a coffee shop on the first floor, kind of an old building they've renovated. Super neat. So we're in Boston. I embarrassed Landon. I like shouted out the window of our hotel room like, Hey, Boston, like, I'm here, you know. Uh, and then we went, we went to have dinner. It was very embarrassing. We went to have dinner, and we walked around the city a little bit and explored. And I had looked up, like, some movies that were set in Boston, some I was familiar with. And we're like, okay, let's go back to the hotel room, and we'll, like, get our pajamas on and get in bed, and we'll watch a Boston movie to kind of, like, get in the Boston mood, and we'll practice our little accents and stuff. And so we're in bed, and we're getting all cozy, and we we open the laptop, and we turn on the masterpiece, the Oscar winning film. I love it so much to get the Boston vibe. Martin Scorsese's The Departed. Um, great movie. Wasn't exactly like. What I was looking for, you know, for us to be like, yeah, we're in Boston. This is awesome. It's like, I can't wait to see all the corruption and organized crime, you know. Uh, Great movie. Again, I I recommend it, but not exactly what I I was trying to do. And like, you you do that. Like, you you watch a movie or read a book that's set in a place, and it kind of helps you get a feel of it. And there was probably a better Boston movie we could have watched. When I moved to Houston, and I looked up like Houston movies and, and books, and one that came out to the front to me, because I'm a big fan of him, is Wes Anderson, Houstonian, and went to St. John's. And his first movie, Rushmore, uh, was filmed at St. John's and at Lamar across the street, Uh, just some stoked St. John's people. Let's go, Rushmore, Wes Anderson. Yes, let's go. And to kind of get a feel. And and that was long before I ever knew I would would come here and be at St. Luke's and start Branches. And now I'm just right down the road from where Rushmore was filmed to where Wes Anderson graduated from high school. Perfectly symmetrical, everything beautiful, just like Wes Anderson. (laughs) And... So, you, you know, you, we do that to kind of to, to get a feel of a place to try to, to, to understand it. And as I was thinking about that time in Boston and my kind of exploring what Houston was like before I moved here, I was thinking about, like, that practice, that, that, that setting the stage of a place is really what belonging is. Like, you want to paint a picture of your home or your family or your life together so people know what it's like and so that they can, they can feel welcome. And you don't want to paint, like, the departed picture of your life <laughs> And you don't want to bait and switch, like it's really cozy and it's like this and then kind of do something different and people are shocked by it. You want it to be true and you want it to be welcoming, you want it to be warm, you want it to be real and authentic, and that's what belonging is. It it is what it is and you be as you are and we are as we are and you come and, and you're part of it. And of course at Branches when we first started, I borrowed the definition of belonging from Brene Brown and still holding out hope that one day she will show up to worship And her definition of belonging, I was watching some clips of her again this week, and she was saying, the opposite of belonging isn't exclusion. The opposite of belonging is fitting in. Then, when you fit in, you come to a place and you see the way that it is and, and you assess it and you assess yourself and you change your habits and your behavior and your speech and whatever else so that then you can enter in. Belonging is, well, simply just Belonging. You come, you show up as you are and you step into the community and and as you are, you you sit shoulder to shoulder with and work hand in hand with people who may be different than you and may not look like you or be from the same background as you, but you belong on the front end and it changes you. Judd Wilhite uh, is a pastor in Las Vegas and he he puts it really simply and I think really helpfully. He says, most organizations and especially churches, this is the, the process they go through. First, you believe... So, you look at the kind of set, the tenets, the doctrines, whatever the beliefs are of this place, and you're like, okay, I can get on board with that. I, I agree. Check. And then, second, you behave. So, it changes who you are, what you do. So, then you behave in, an, in kind of like a finger waggy way, like, you better behave. You better, you better do what's right. And then, after that, after you believe and after you behave, then you can belong. The church, at its best, Judd Wilhite says, is the exact opposite. belonging on the front end and to belong changes your behavior because then you welcome more people into the circle. And then after you belong and after you change your behavior, then it shapes what you believe and think about the world. You believe that people indeed are made in God's image and they do belong and they're loved and they're cared for. And you believe you see the world the way God sees it. As Not this awful, ugly place that needs destruction, but this place just ripe with opportunity for growth and transformation. And so first and foremost here at Branches, we begin and end with belonging, and you can come. And we hope that as you experience that belonging, it changes your behavior. And as your behavior changes, you start to be more a person of love, as we talk about so frequently. Then you start to believe that it's true, that you are loved, and not only are you loved, but your neighbor and everyone in the city is loved. And that's the, the stage that's really set in the scripture that we're reading today. This story that many of you may know, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, it's literally the sequel to Luke, Luke's gospel, this biography of Jesus. Most of the time, when we find these manuscripts of Luke or Acts, they're together. The same author, and Luke is about Jesus' life in the first century, and then Acts is the sequel. What happened after Jesus was resurrected? What happened after that? And his followers, what did they do? What were they charged with? And how did they navigate the world? And the apostles, these first followers of Jesus, were given this task to spread this story about Jesus to all the world, and we get that today in Acts chapter 8. So if you want to follow along on the screen or uh, read along in your own Bible, we're in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26, and it says this. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to his chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, Do you understand what you're reading? He replied, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb, silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom may I ask you? Does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? And then Philip began to speak. And starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Just to kind of set the stage a, a, a little bit more, uh, this, this eunuch is in a chariot on his way back from Jerusalem. And we recall at the beginning uh, of the book of Acts, Jesus has charged his disciples and said, from Jerusalem, this apex point, the center point to all the earth, imagine concentric circles, share this good news about me and what I've done for the world. And so now this idea of like going to the ends of the earth is not just geographical, but, but now it's also to people of different backgrounds and ethnic groups and, and religions and, and, and different statuses in the world. And this, this person, the Ethiopian eunuch, he has a specific status in this kingdom with Queen Candace, and he works with her directly and closely, and you know, he has a very specific physical status, which if you don't know what a eunuch is, you can have that conversation at home. Um, and so this status that he has enables him to live a certain way in this kingdom. And there's a lot of speculation and commentaries and religious history about, okay, uh, was he a religious Jew from Ethiopia, of which there were many Was he worshiping in Jerusalem on behalf of Queen Candace? Was she Jewish and he was worshiping for her? Was he a a curious pagan Ethiopian and he shows up to Jerusalem and worships and then his interest is piqued and so he's reading the scroll of Isaiah? There's a lot of clues and things in here. We don't know specifically about this man, but he was reading Isaiah aloud in his chariot. And Philip overhears him and he's been sent there to connect with this guy and he overhears him reading it and he asks three questions. I want to zero in on those questions today and then in one of them specifically. And I think this is really helpful in us understanding how Philip is showing the eunuch and then all people how in Jesus everyone belongs. The first question is this, how can I, unless someone guides me? So he's asked, he's asked, you know, I I need help understanding this. The Philip, the apostle says, do you understand? And he says, how can I, unless someone asks me? Or unless someone helps me. So he's getting, being vulnerable, saying, like, I need, I need help with this. I need help understanding. And I, I, I read the words. Many of you probably have had this experience. You read the words. You're like, I understand the words individually, but together I don't understand. Will you help me? Putting himself out there like I'm willing to understand. Or in other words, he asks it this way, um, the, the, another meaning to the question, is there someone who can show me? Can I have a guide? Can I have someone to walk with me? That was a great question, and a question that's hard to ask, like, you're afraid to admit, like, I don't quite understand, will you help me? His second question uh, is a little bit different, but, but related. He's reading this, this, this scroll of Isaiah, and in it, he's reading words that resonate with him, and for very specific reasons. He's reading about a person who's been wounded and sheared, a person who's been, like, physically maimed, And it's changed his status among other people. But despite it, if you continue to read in Isaiah, this this person who's been maimed and wounded becomes the deliverer of a people, transforms the world. And so the eunuch, there's something in his heart or in his mind that's like, hey, I resonate with that. And I want deliverance from my wounds. And, and, And maybe there's freedom for me. Maybe there's transformation for me. And so he asks this question, about whom may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Or in other words, this, this could also mean, uh, is this relevant to me? Like it seems like maybe there's something there, it's touching my heart or ringing out to me. Is this for me? Could this be about me? And in response, Philip traces from Isaiah all the way to the person of Jesus, like yes, this is about Jesus, and Jesus is for you because Jesus is for everyone. And he invites you into relationship with him and he invites you to be transformed by him so that you can transform the world. He invites you to be part of this invitation, this charge to, to leave this place and go to all the world and tell this good news, this story about this God who came to be in a person to share love and compassion and kindness and justice with the world universally. Yes, it is relevant to you. And maybe that question resonates with you because I hear it all the time. Like the, this Christian church stuff, like that's, that's for my parents for my grandparents, or that's from a generation long past. I saw a clip of Louis C.K. earlier in the week, and he was like, any of you believe in God or go to church? And he was like, that stuff's over. You know, that's not relevant anymore. And, and I think that question is really like pressing for a lot of people. Like, does this matter to me? And Philip says, yes, and it's for you. And then he asked this third question, I think the, the most important one. Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He hears the story, there's a response to it. And in other words, it could mean, what's in the way? What's the, what's the barriers for me to be part of this family that you described? What's preventing me from being in a relationship with this God and Jesus that you've offered? What's preventing me from, from being transformed? What's preventing me to see my, my wounds repurposed in deliverance and freedom? What's preventing me from being part of this family, though maybe there's religious laws that prevent me from even entering the temple? What's preventing me uh, from then sharing this good news with the world? What's preventing me from stepping into the water one way, and coming up out of the water, a different person, the different identity and a different charge and a, and a different mission and a different way of being in the world. What's preventing me from being one way now and another way in a moment? What's in the way? I think that's the most pressing question I could think of for branches to look back on our past year and look forward to the coming year. And I'd, I'd venture to say, when we raise that question, what's in the way for people to follow Jesus and to become more like him? I'd say 75 to maybe even 90% of the time, if there is something in the way, the church has put it there. A doctrine test, a way of being, and you've got to look a certain way or act a certain way or speak a certain type of lingo. You have to show up at a certain time and be a certain way. That if, the, if there's anything that's in the way, our attitude or our one way saying we're inviting but acting totally uninviting, if we want to be inclusive but then we, we're not inclusive, if there is something in the way, the task of, and I, I really truly believe the heartbeat of what branches us to be about is to get that stuff out of the way. And maybe it's us individually. Maybe, maybe there's some way we're conducting ourselves that's, that when someone says, like, hey, I want to be part of that, and we're setting something up to say, like, well, you can, but... <laughs> You know, like Dr. Phil says, but just means forget everything I just said. <laughs> that, that, that we say, yeah, you, you're, you're included, but, or you're, you're invited, but, you belong, but. What's in the way? Uh, Stephen King wrote this book called On Writing. Really, really wonderful. Even if you don't care about the craft of writing, it's about craft in general and his own story, really compelling story. And there's a great moment in the book where Stephen King says, um, there's a beautiful moment when you read a book and you finish it, and you think that really stunk i could do that <laughs> and i thought of that this week that there's there's more than enough communities and places and gatherings of people there's more than enough churches that aren't belonging that don't invite people and there's a, there's enough places that ask for a test of belief or ask for a test of behavior before you can show up there's plenty of that to go around may it never be so for branches and, it, and if it is, let's, let's, let's check it. Let's come back in September and say, like, we've forgotten who we are and we've seen it out around us. We've seen it in other communities we've been a part of. We've seen it in the church wounds and hurt that's so prevalent and frequent now. And we say, we say, that really stinks. We can do better. We can do more. We can invite more people in. We can, we can say, actually, in, in reality, there is nothing to prevent you from coming to, to follow, to be like, to be transformed by, to, to be in a community of people that follow Jesus. There's nothing to prevent you. And if there is, it's, it's something I've put in the way. So what's in the way? And I want to assure you that, and if you're thinking about like, what's in the way for me, that if it's a particular belief, you know, like, I, I just can't take the next step and say, I believe this or that. I assure you, and I'm looking out here right now, I assure you, you are not alone in that feeling at all. Or maybe what's in the way is your own busyness and, and hurry in your life. I assure you, you're not alone in that at all. Or maybe, maybe what's in the way is the church and the church has, has done harm because they certainly have. There's enough of that to go around. Maybe the church has wounded you in some way or be- behaved a certain way or done something to a friend or a family member and you're like, what's preventing me is, is the church. I assure you, I can speak from personal experience. You are not alone in that. And so what we're invited to do, I think, in this coming year to think about if we really want to truly be a place of belonging is to seriously, with with just like raw vision, see what's in the way and together get it out of the way. Because there are people longing for community. People longing just for the reality and the truth to know that they're loved. People are, are longing for a place where they can come and they don't have to check themselves at the door. They get to be who God created them to be and we can be a place that invites all of those people in and we say, we've, we've set aside every boundary and every obstacle so that you can come and be and belong as God says you belong in Christ. That's the invitation for us. There's one little little bit in, in the story that I love because there's actually a lot of legend around this Ethiopian eunuch. Who did he become? People assign names to him and these stories to him and we don't know enough to know, but there's one thing that we do know that after this happened and after he came out of the water, he left rejoicing. And all three of those questions that, that were asked, is this about me? Is this, is this, is this relevant to me? Uh, who's gonna show me? Is there a companion for me? And, and what's in the way? To be a people of joy, of rejoicing, answers all those questions. If you're a person of joy, if you go about rejoicing, people want to be your companion. (laughs) If you're a person of joy and a a person uh, of rejoicing, people will say, like, that's relevant to me because they want it. (laughs) They want to be a person of joy. And and when people see obstacles to to having hope in the world, to being part of a community, to to being encircled in, in, in love and grace and compassion... When you're, when you're rejoicing, when you're full of joy, people say like, there's nothing in the way. I, I can set everything aside to be part of that. If anything, if you hear anything today, let's be a people of joy. Let's be a people who say like, let's, let's get it out of the way so to the end of being more like Jesus so our, our city can know that it's loved and cared for and seen and belongs. Because I know I'm starving for it. And I imagine other people are starving for it. And I imagine there's places that, that, that say they want people to belong and then they operate in a different way. And let's be a people that says, okay, we're going to set all of that aside. I want to give us a, a concrete opportunity to tap into that too. Uh, we have a, a text number that we used. Maybe you got a text from branches this morning. But uh, if you text belonging to 55498, it'll prompt you with a question about this, about what's in the way. And I want you to be open and raw and as honest as possible. And then next week, we'll put up your response next to a big picture of your face right here on the screen. (laughs) We'll we'll put them together, distill them, distill your responses. But I want you to be raw and and, and open and honest so that you know that you're not alone. And next week, our our core value we're discussing and tackling is daring. We want to be a daring people to step out and say like, yeah, I'm ready to get that out of the way so that people can follow Jesus. So if it's for you or if it's for your neighbor, what's in the way? And how can we as a community in this coming year, looking back at all that God has done and just with expectant hearts for dreaming and imagining things we we, we can't even conceive of in this future year, what's in the way and how can we get out of the way together? So I encourage you, if you wanna do that or email me or tell me in person what's in the way as you leave here today, I I won't put your face up on the screen. This is for us to say, okay, we got a, got a, a lot of work ahead of us and it's a gift. It's a great invitation to say that people could come be part of this community and know that they belong. Joyous, rejoicing people who've set it all aside so that we can be a people of belonging. Thanks be to God for that. Let's pray. God, we know that we can't let other people know that they belong unless we know that we belong. So instill in our hearts now, as we continue to worship you and as we come to this table, the truth that can't be changed, that can't be taken away, that in you we belong and always will so that we can share it with the world. Help us get every obstacle out of the way so that every person curious or open or longing to hear a word from you can and make us instruments and mouthpiece for that. We ask all of this in your name, in Jesus, the one who tells us in every moment that we belong. Amen.